welcome adventurer to the Level Up Board Game Podcast, a show that uses your experiences and opinions to discuss board games and the gaming community. Join the heroes as they conquer perils such as meeples, cards, and miniatures, all in an effort to level up. You're listening to the Level Up Board Game Podcast. Welcome, adventurers, to episode 58 of the Level Up Board Game Podcast. My name's Patrick. Hey, King Scott here. And today, Scott, we've got a special side quest episode. That we do, and this is an interesting one. I got to watch a lot of it. We'll get there. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, we're a show that releases episodes every other Thursday, except when we have the opportunity to do something a little bit different, be it a special topic or a Kickstarter focus or designer interview. And this is one of those episodes as we'll be talking all things Leviathan Wilds and even chatting it up with the game's designer, Justin Campanin. He's got some credits to his name, Scott. Wow, he does. I mean, Descent 2.0. Imperial Assault, one of the versions of Love Letter, he's been around the block for some things here, and it's great to talk to him. Well, thank you so much for joining us, and if this is your first time, we hope you enjoy the show. Most definitely. Well, I'll tell you what, Scott, normally we like to do a little bit of banter, recent plays, this being side quest land, that's not what we're here for. This is the mini-boss of the game that is Level Up. How about we get right to it? You got a walkthrough for me today? I most certainly do. Designed by Justin Kempinen and coming to Kickstarter later this summer, Moon Crab Games presents Leviathan Wilds. Long ago, once gentle leviathans lost their minds and tore the world apart. It was later discovered, though, that these gentle giants could be restored. Hmm, this sounds kind of interesting. In Leviathan Wilds, Two to four players confront these colossal beings and attempt to remove binding crystals and restore the giant to its peaceful self. At setup, players will choose a scenario to play. Typically, this follows a campaign and you can continue from where you left off. But you are able to simply decide on the Leviathan scenario and have at it. The Leviathan you choose is on a board, found in a spiral-bound book, much like what we find in Gloomhaven, Jaws of the Lion. The board beautifully depicts the leviathan you're up against, and an overlaying grid of squares that make up the areas you will be climbing. Each player gets their own player board, a deck of cards, and places their meeple at the bottom of the leviathan board. The leviathan has a threat board, which is basically going to measure the severity of the cards it will utilize. As the threat rises, typically the more time you take, the cards used against players will become more impactful and potentially much more dangerous. Each turn follows a simple structure. First, reveal the threat card. This outlines the bad thing that is going to happen after resolve your actions. This can be anything from damage to a certain zone on the board to maybe the highest climber losing their grip, and each Leviathan has its own deck. Next, the active player chooses one card from their hand to use simply for its action point allocation. You see, each card in your deck has an ability, but it'll also have some amount of action points you can use it for instead. Typically, you'll use your action points to move about the Leviathan and attempt to remove the binding crystals. We'll get there in a minute. Third, the threat card you drew earlier, it's now resolved. Then finally, you draw back up to a hand of three. Now, 
removing the crystals. These are represented by six-sided dice on the Leviathan. All you have to do is get a die and spend action points to take its number down. When it's zero, it's removed. Remove all crystals from the Leviathan and the players win the game. Now, let's rewind for just a moment. How does the Leviathan threat level actually rise? Well, you're drawing three cards per turn, but your deck isn't very big. So you'll find yourself having to spend action points to put your discard pile on the bottom of your deck. In doing so, you move the threat marker up on its tracker. As always, there's a lot more that we can go over in our brief overviews. In the case of Leviathan Wilds, that means that basic movement offers some tactical options, such as jumping and gliding. It means that there are effectively two damage trackers for your character to manage, health and blight. Finally, not only does each Leviathan have its own unique threat deck, but each of their boards have not only different artwork, but different terrain layouts, making each Leviathan its own unique challenge. Let's join back up with Patrick and chat a bit and find out if we're wild about Leviathan Wilds. Well, thank you, Scott, for that wonderful walkthrough of today's not really review game, but preview game, Leviathan Wilds Adventures. We like to break down games with an 8-bit breakdown. That's where we look at eight facets of a game and sort of tell you everything we know about it. When we have a little side quest like this, this is a preview. We got to play this one on TTS. We haven't played it enough times to give it that full 8-bit breakdown treatment. This is exclusively a first impression, so we're going to just give it five of our, our bits. What do you say, Scott? I think it sounds pretty good here, and I will give my very best information I can for those five bits because someone um, was playing like double-handed, double-fisted in this game. I have no idea what you're talking about. Well, it came around to Ryan's turn, then it came to your turn, <laughs> then it was my, uh, it's like your turn again. I had uh, turns one and one A. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it, it was very helpful because... You two had a good feeling on how it played. I was still trying to work it out. I do have problems with my connectivity here sometimes. So it was very helpful that you did that. So it gave me a chance to see the game, how it plays. Even though I didn't really do that much, I still got <laughs> oh, a, a, a... No, no, no. In all seriousness, I did do enough that I understood what was going on and got a good feel for this game. Way, way back, we had a discussion topic about things that kind of irk us in games. And one of them was quarterbacking, playing that co-op game where one person <laughs> takes over. <laughs> I taught Leviathan Wilds to you and Ryan. And uh, I think, uh, see, I, I wouldn't have thought of it as quarterbacking. I thought of it as over-teaching. Just a constant reassurance that you're understanding the game. That, I think that's, that's how a good I... way of putting it. Yes. <laughs> if that helps you sleep at night, Patrick, then yes. That's Scott, what do you was. think about the art and components? <laughs> Bit number, well, we'll do a, a brief one. So we're not even going to title in bits. Art and components, Leviathan Wilds. What you got? I like that there are multiple Leviathans that you have to face. And they uh -huh. have it in the ring-bound binder. Love this binder. It's great because it doesn't take up a lot of room. You can only imagine what the size of the box would be if they had to have a board for each and every one of these. Couldn't do it. Um, I love the look of what we saw with a couple of Leviathans. And they were so different. It wasn't like, here's one here that takes up two pages going landscape. And you're going to climb to the top. 
Then you turn it to the next one. Whoa, 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 whoa. Now we're on portrait mode now. Now we're going up higher. Yeah. And yeah. it's tougher to get. So it was a way of getting a lot of different plays into this and a lot of different strategies in it. Turn the page. You got a whole new one. It's conveniently compact. There's an awful lot of game in that binder and those cards. I'd like that conveniently compact. I tell you what, I love the look of the Leviathans. They're big, they're colorful, oh, yeah. they're they're imposing. I didn't love the art style for the characters and the cards. They, they kind of had a cartoony feel. Like, you know what I thought of was like back in the 90s. I don't know if you had this, but Nintendo Power Magazine. Now you're playing with power, right? Okay. Okay, so it felt cartoony. Tuning out. I don't dislike it, but personally, I would have liked a more epic feel because the game's theme gave me that Shadow of the Colossus. And that was a game that was, well, the, the art direction was epic. I guess it goes to show you, though, art is subjective, and this is going to resonate with a ton of people. And you know what? He said he's going to tinker around with the, the climber meeples. He might not stick with the climber meeples, yes. but I do like the rings, those little explosion rings where the event's going to occur. Art and components, I think they get a stamp of a, a stamp of approval. He can do some tinkering with it, but the directions he's going, I like where it's going. Let's talk theme and immersion. I mentioned Shadow of the Colossus. You're going to hear that as the episode goes on. You're climbing up these giant leviathans, these imposing creatures, and you're trying to remove these crystals that are somehow controlling them. I think they refer to them in the game as the ancients at one point, and yeah, they're not so. bad guys. You know what I mean? They're, they're good guys, but they've been turned like the sage, that that turtle, the very first one. Apparently, that's not a bad guy. He's just... Uh, being mind control, you know, some some bad influences causing him to be, you know, this big catastrophe that you have to handle. Part of the game is actually as you progress through, you're, you're tasked with investigating what's causing this sort of thing. We've got mechanisms here that I think tie in thematically. If somebody falls or they lose grip, when things happen in the game, it's really easy for my mind to correlate why that is. Thematically, everything makes sense. Even the artwork for it, it doesn't look like he's frothing out his mouth with huge fangs. It just looks like this, oh boy, I'm going into a weird, weird place here, but a misunderstood giant turtle. <laughs> God, I don't believe don't, those words don't actually think came the out giant of my mouth. turtle from NeverEnding Story. Uh, think that, well, but colorful. Let's Let's go back to even worse here with the plastic monsters and everything, with the rubber suits. Gamera. I mean, you got that there. That was like a terrifying turtle, but he was like loved by children everywhere. Boy, we are going in weird. Yeah, let's this let's go to complexity. We went right okay. off the deep end. Scott, is this game see. complex? It's not really complex. Complexity comes into your strategies, how you want to get to the top. It's very simple. You want to go from the bottom to the top and take out those crystals. <laughs> Typically, yeah. That's it. But it's really in the card play, in the actions you take, the plans that you're trying to do to get to those places. That's where the complexity comes into it. But it doesn't get weighed down with the basic rules of how to play it. Not at all. You've got simple options to pick from on your turn. They're spelled out right on your player board. I mean, your tactical decisions to make as far as where to climb and how to move about the Leviathan, that's where you're going to be making your decisions. But all in all, you're going to know how to play this game about when you get started. But 
as we'll find out with the meat, that doesn't mean it lacks depth. Adventures, one of our regular bits is the meat of the game, and we want to look at that here. The meat of a game is, you know those moments when you sort of lean in in your chair, and you look at the board, and you look at your cards, and you go, ooh, I've got a decision to make, or, or you flip up the tokens to see who won, and you go, ooh, that's the meat of a game, that engaging part that keeps you coming back. Where is it in Leviathan Wilds? Yeah, the meat of the game, I mean, that's a very important thing. That's the what do you want to say, the beautiful mind part with Russell Crowe whenever he sits there and all of a sudden he sees all those equations going through his head and everything comes together. What did you think? Where was the meat of the game, Patrick? Well, each turn you're going to play a card from your hand for action points only. And then other cards in your hand, you can play them for their effects. So there is a bit of tactics involved with making this decision. And you know what? Honestly, that means you're going to have to think a turn ahead most of the time. The end of the turn, you're going to draw back up to three cards. Now, here, here's another space where it was like, oh, <laughs> coming from Magic the Gathering. Card advantage wins games. Most games, if you draw more cards, you have more things you can do, so you're more likely right. to win. In this case, though, anytime you have to rest and shuffle your discard back into your deck, the Leviathan on that threat level, you know, the danger mm, meter, yes. that ticks up. It's like, wait a minute, so I'm getting to do a whole lot more, but... The Leviathan's also ticking up and getting a little bit more stronger. So there is a balancing act in how fast do you want to approach getting to those crystals and taking them down versus how many cards do I want to see, you know? I, I think, right, right. And then you factor in that each Leviathan has its own unique strengths, its own weaknesses. I guess the point here is that Leviathan Wilds hits a sweet spot where the lack of a complex rules overhead doesn't equate to a lack of gameplay. You still have a lot of thought you have to put into each Leviathan. You really get into the technical aspect of things. I get to go into more of the over-the-top general feel of things. What do you think? Can I take the was it fun? Can I? Can I? Can I, Patrick? <laughs> go ahead. All right. <laughs> was it fun? Yes, it was fun. Now, I come from a bit of a different generation here. I'm a little bit older. You're an old um, man. Yes, I am. Now, uh, The Shadow of a Colossus, I'm familiar with it. I've seen commercials for it. I'm, I'm familiar. Okay, yeah, whatever. But I go back a little bit further. What I got with this was there were two things that really stuck out that I thought this was really cool. One was an old video game, an arcade game. Yes, in these dark places, you had to go to play What's video that? games. I know, exactly. Google it. But there was a game called Crazy Climber, and you were just this guy. Why you're climbing up the outside of a building, I don't know. Why you're trying to skip from people opening up their window and throwing pots at you, I don't know. But this gave me that same feeling, because you're climbing up, moving over, trying to get things. And it was a lot of fun. It got that nostalgic feel for me with a whole brand new look with these Leviathans, which was awesome. The other one that got me was the meeples that you had and the characters that you got to play was an old cartoon and toy line called Inhumanoids. And for hmm. its time, this was pretty freaking terrifying for kids. I, another one. Google it. You'll see what I mean. But Generation of Mine, it's kind of like, oh, my God, who would have thought of these two like obscure things to put them together in a game? I loved it. It was fantastic seeing that. And in my mind, I was going through playing that video game and watching that cartoon playing this game. And it was great. It was a lot of fun. 
Yeah, I agree. This one was funny. It's an engaging game that plays in all of, what, 40 minutes? Maybe an hour for a scenario? Yeah, yeah. I could see setting it up on the table, playing through a couple of Iathans, coming right back to it a few days later and taking a couple more down. Yeah, and the great thing, once again, it goes back to the spiral-bound folder that you flip the page. Here's a new one. Let's do it. Brand new, you can play different. It as a campaign. Yeah. You can just jump in and play one of Leviathan, whatever you want to do. You got a lot of options here. I mean, it's really well put together. So a bit of a first impression from us and a good one at that. This is going to be hitting Kickstarter in like a month from the time this airs. We don't have a firm date, but keep your eyes open for Leviathan Wilds. Let's see if we can get some more firm data straight from the source. Let's get to chatting with Justin. What do you say? I think that's pretty good. He, he's been in that room kind of quiet. I kind of makes me nervous. He hasn't making make any noise or anything. And the quiet ones are ones that scare me. Well, adventurers, guess what? It always seems to happen this way that the planets align and the stars are all in their perfect position. We just happen to have Justin Kempinen in here with us to talk about Leviathan Wilds. Justin. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. How are you? Wonderful is that great Pennsylvania weather can treat us. So, <laughs> yeah, we haven't really discovered spring just yet. Uh, <laughs> Adventurers, we had a chance to play Justin's new game coming out here soon, Leviathan Wilds. And we told you what we thought about it, but we thought it'd be fun to just talk with Justin and find out exactly what went into it, what his past history is, and just all the neat little nitpicky little things that we can find out about Justin. So, Justin, you've been in the industry for some time and you got some credits to your name. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about your experience in the hobby of gaming. Yeah, sure thing. Uh, so I've been in the industry for about 10 years now. I started with Fantasy Flight Games back in 2012. Never heard primarily, of them. <laughs> never heard of them? Yeah, I know. They're, they're just this little known indie company in Minnesota. Um, yeah, this was before the Asmodee acquisition too, so that goes back a ways. I started out working on Descent 2nd Edition, and I was doing expansion content for that game. Pretty shortly after I started, uh, I actually took control of the game line, wahaha, and I was running it. Uh, of Descent, yeah. Uh, awesome. I was, I was the lead uh, designer and developer for the project. I was directing other people. We were just making a whole bunch of content for the game. From about a Labyrinth of Rune onward, um, eventually I handed the reins to someone else because the success of the game line for Descent 2nd Edition gave me the opportunity to work on Imperial Assault, which is mm -hmm. probably the biggest title I've got to my name. I was the primary designer on that. I was responsible for making the campaign mode of the game and a lot of the content that went into that. All of the adjustments to the system to suit it. Star Wars, as well as just some of the quality of life improvements that the game went through. Mm -hmm. So Imperial Assault was a really, really big one. Uh, after that, I uh, co-designed Warhammer Quest, the adventure card game, along with Adam and Brady Sadler. Adam, who was actually my former manager, like he's the person who hired me at FFG. So there's an interesting connection there. How about that? And onward, I was... A manager for a few years at FFG as well, did some additional designs for uh, the Road to Legend app for Descent. Uh, mm -hmm. Simultaneously as that was going on, I did Game of Thrones, the Iron Throne, which was the cosmic encounter alike. And eventually, we'll though... We'll call it adjacent, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
Eventually, though, I transferred over to Z-Man Games uh, from Fantasy Flight Games, and I was working on various things over there for a while, including development, including designs. I was one of the designers on the new World of Warcraft pandemic, the Wrath of the Lich King one, Jabba's Palace Love Letter. So there, that was also a design. That one's weird because I that was a l- quite a long time ago and it just got hung up in licensing. <laughs> you know what? I feel like you got the IP for Star Wars and now you're just you're taking it too far. <laughs> Jabba's Palace Love Letter. Come on now. <laughs> yeah, that one's that one's funny. Uh <laughs> It's kind of close to original love letter, but I don't know. It's got the rancor in it, which is a (laughs) curveball of sorts. Anyway, uh, a lot of designs, a lot of uh, project management and development. Um, When I was at FFG, I ran the teams that were doing Mansions of Madness and Descent and Imperial Assault as well. And I worked on Pandemic Legacy Season Zero with Matt and Rob a little bit, did the narrative writing for that, as well as project management and support. So... I've been around for a while. I've done quite a bit, a little bit. Done of some stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I understand why you would try and go out on your own and make your own game because working on these like C and D level tier games, <laughs> I could see why you would decide to like go on your own. <laughs> yeah. You know, it just wasn't satisfying uh, doing Star Wars games. So. <laughs> Well, speaking of that, let's transition a little bit into the, the the titular game, Leviathan Wilds. This on BGG so far just has your name credited. Is this all your baby, or is this is there a team behind Leviathan Wilds? Tell us a little bit about the transition from you know hopping from one company to the next, managing these projects to how Leviathan Wilds came to be. I, I know when we were playing on TTS, you said it took a span of a few years to get this thing up and up and moving mm-hmm. and perfected, and is still in fact being refined walk us through that a little bit so this the game concept has been in my head for a while just because i i was a big fan of shadow of the colossus uh unsurprising (laughs) comparison and i was always curious to know what what a game like that would look like through the lens of tabletop and there's other titles out there mall peak being one of them uh skull hollow Mm -hmm. but i wanted to see something that was a little bit more cooperative themed so that's been noodling. But of course, working in the industry, there's not necessarily a lot of opportunity to bring your own ideas to life. A lot of times you're working on whatever you happen to be assigned to or whatever it happens to be needed at the moment. Mm-hmm. So that's just kind of been dormant way back in, the, in my subconscious. But what ended up happening is in the fall this year, there was a little bit of an implosion at uh, Z-Man Games, where a whole bunch of staff ended up leaving or getting laid off. And though that was unfortunate, it actually ended up being that myself and two other individuals who are also managers at Z-Man were able to get to talking. Mm -hmm. And prior to the bigger implosion, I had decided to leave. I wanted to move on. And the day after, the the day after, I I told myself I was going to take a couple weeks off. It had been a grueling couple of years. So I took about half a day and then I started working on this because I just Mm -hmm. had the creative energy (laughs) burning inside. And very quickly, the prototype came together in a way that was compelling and fun. And so after it was probably a couple months, some more of the the fallout happened from from Z-Man. And these two individuals, uh, Sam Shimoda and Todd Miklich, who are illustrator, graphic designers, and a developer and project manager, respectively, They were both free agents, so I got to talking to them a little bit more. Because of our 
sort of gradient of experience in different mm -hmm. sectors of business and project management and visual design, we are able to do pretty much everything ourselves. And we're able to just continue to push the project forward and forward to the point where we felt strongly enough in the quality and the promise that it represented that we were willing to try to do a uh, an actual company for it, which is mm -hmm. uh, what we formed was Moon Crab Games. Why Moon Crab? You know, it was the very last company name in existence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, everybody. We took the last one. Uh, no, uh, <laughs> we had uh, a little bit of an inter-office meme about crabs specifically um but realistically like it's venn diagram of memorable and uh whimsical a little bit it it, it helps to scream indie a little bit in a way that's helpful yeah. when you're just fledgling and trying to get things moving yeah it's mostly that uh, also uh, prone to making a good logo which sam did i love oh yeah I love that logo we went through probably about like 500 different name suggestions and either it came to like, whatever, let's just go with this one or like, yeah, this, this works. You so. just got tired of uh, sitting and debating about <laughs> what the name's going to be. Justin, I know you listen to all of our episodes faithfully. You'll recall we had a side quest recently about a game that they were telling us the title for the game. I was like, how did you come up with that? And he said, well, I was looking through the Greek alphabet and like Omega was already taken. So I settled on a cool one. I thought, oh, I'll go with Omicron. We'll call it Omicron Protocol. That's a neat name. Perfect. <laughs> yes. And he, to their benefit, it actually worked out that they're getting a lot more visibility now. Hey. <laughs> Now, in the amazing world that we've come into here, we now have a thing called TTS or Tabletop Simulator, where we get a chance to play games that we don't physically have. But the bad thing about it is we don't physically have it, so we can't tell what the components are going to be like. We get a visual idea of it. It's like going through the old uh, Sears wish book, looking at the Christmas things for Christmas, like, oh, I want to get that. I want to get that. <laughs> but with your game, you have a great thing with the board is inside of the ring bound folder that you can just open it up. There's new adventure, new adventure. What kind of components are we going to get in the game whenever the physical proportion comes out? Yeah. So the big one, of course, is the, uh, the spiral bound book, which is going to serve as the map and illustration for each of the Leviathans. And so that's going to be just crammed full of unique and vibrant and interesting illustrations, but also a ton of really unique gameplay mm -hmm. where every Leviathan is going to look and feel very different just because of the different shape of the map, the different special rules and uh, AI that each of them is going to have. And uh, the other part is that the players are going to be represented by, I think, custom cut wooden meeples. The okay. preview right now just has them as little generic climber meeples, which I love those little guys. Those are <laughs> those are very cute. But in order to evoke the characters a little bit more, to get more of a sense of presence of who you are and what you're doing, those are very likely to be custom cut wood with mm -hmm. a uh, illustration stamp on them, just so you can really get a feel for those those characters as you're moving them and climbing them throughout the Leviathans. Awesome. Uh, a whole big mess of cards uh, for the players to customize their decks and to have different experiences based on that. The mess of cards also applies to the different Leviathans. That's how their behaviors are determined through the threat deck. Oh, the little ring tokens, probably pretty similar to how they look in TTS, but 
those are really valuable for being able to mark the AOEs of the Leviathan attacks without getting super fiddly. Uh, mm -hmm. The original prototype didn't have that, and so you were lifting and placing, and it worked, but it was just, I don't know, 5% too fiddly. So the ring really going over <laughs> the guy and yeah, you know, like yeah. circling the guy instead of having to pick up the piece, put it mm -hmm. underneath. I got to tell you, I found out in TTS when I was showing Ryan and Scott how to play, you can only pick up that ring. There's like a, a hot point on the ring where you have to click with your mouse in order to drag it. And I kept not clicking there. I was like, why isn't this thing moving? Now, Ryan's <laughs> sort of our, our resident expert. We call him Teacher Ryan, and he's probably logged more hours on TTS than I have in parenting. <laughs> He's like, you have to click it right here. I said, oh, okay. Okay. No, excellent. Fantastic idea. I'll be that guy also. AOE, area of explosion? Area of effect. Yeah, that's what I meant. That's what I meant. <laughs> yeah, area yeah, yeah, of yeah. effect. <laughs> Okay, so what you're getting at, and we alluded to this earlier, is that you know whenever you flip that card that says what's going to happen at the end of the round, it might say, okay, the highest climber, we're going to have an explosion, a, a nine square, if you will, like pick pick that guy that's the highest and make a little donut of squares around him, just completely surround him with squares. Anything in that radius is going to going to take a beating, going to lose some lose some life. So you have the turn to get out of there. That little marker is how you're going to keep track of it. I thought just brilliant, brilliant idea. Mm -hmm. Sort of in the same vein as components, though, you started to allude to a, a campaign idea uh, where I know I understand the game's still uh, being worked on. There's still some some details to iron out. But one of the things that I was really intrigued by is the campaign's not just flip to the next Leviathan in the book and play that guy and he's going to be a little bit harder, but you can actually develop your deck over time. You can add cards to it. Now, unfortunately, we didn't get to see that in practice as much as we would have liked to tell adventurers what they can expect as far as the campaign of the game goes. Sure, yeah. We've recently made some breakthroughs in, in the shape of the thing, so I can talk about that a little bit. Excellent. Um, <laughs> number one, uh, I guess I, I should say that the most recent update, we've been updating the, uh, the TTS mod uh, a few different times here, and the most recent update has the a little bit, a tiny taste of the deck customization in it. If you want to check that out. And We're going to get back like, on oh, TTS. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, the first taste is free, but <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> but that's just kind of given to you in order to experience what the overall gameplay is going to look like as, mm -hmm. as once the real thing comes out. But the actual structure of the game is going to take place on a large-ish map of the wilds, this wilderness area that your climbers are exploring and healing the leviathans within. It's going to be fairly lightweight because what we want is for people to focus on the aspects of play, not necessarily juggling a whole bunch of resources, having a bunch of text-based encounters and things like that. Right. There will be a little bit of text, but mostly that's going to serve to add context to the world, give you a little bit of information about who your characters are and why you should care about them, hopefully. You'll be on this map and you'll select an available node. You know, Starting out, the first node is going to be the tutorial, the, the sage, the giant turtle. So you'll mm -hmm. go and you'll you'll battle the giant turtle, you'll save your good friend, and then you'll move on and you'll have a choice of a couple of different directions that you can go, which will be one Leviathan or the other. Essentially, then you continue through this and different nodes along the map will give you the options for where you want to explore. The corners of the map, or at least what's planned to be the corners of the map, mm -hmm. will be major objective points. Your, your, okay. your crew has been sent into the wilds to do not just restore leviathans to save them, 
but to investigate, to find information about the old kingdom, the previous human civilization that got destroyed when the Leviathans went crazy. They've got crazy technology. They're, they're, they were very, very advanced, but of course they're all gone now. And so finding vestiges of their civilization is really valuable. But uh, other mysteries that will be solved, like one along the coast, uh, the, the primary objective in the area by the coast is to investigate why trade routes and ships have been going missing. It's probably a Leviathan. It's probably scary, but you have to go, go there and you have to take care of it. Mm -hmm. uh, another is a group of another crew of climbers went missing in this area that I think is going to be called the Umbral Fen. They're in this big swamp and it's going to be filled with swamp and uh, foresty type Leviathans. And when you get to the very end, you might discover why they went missing and what their ultimate fate was. All of this to kind of just give a little bit more of a sense of why would I care about going one direction or the other? Uh, limit the amount of choices because there's going to be 20 Leviathans in the game. And what we didn't necessarily want is for people to have that like, okay, which one do I play? Why should I pick this one over this sure. one? And that will be an option for the game. If, if you're up for that, you can just sit down and you can play whatever you want. You can grab all of the customization cards and just choose one, play, play a one-off, and it'll be fine. If you follow the campaign progression, though, you'll be getting a little bit of uh, a little bit of unlocks, new cards and abilities over time. You'll be getting more context for how the world works and why things are the way they are. And that's kind of the intent behind the campaign. I know we had a chance to see the first one, the turtle. And then the next Leviathan, um, I can't remember the name, but all I know is it had legs for days and this huge <laughs> tall thing. And it just, it's so interesting that it's each time you can customize your character, but you don't know exactly what you're going to be going in for. So if you prepare for one thing, going up those legs of the second Leviathan, you may be completely screwed with what you picked out. So it's such an interesting thing that, that you have to work as a team really well to be able to complete these. That's an awesome idea. And I got to say, Scott, it's it's true. You said work as a team. You and Ryan and I were playing on TTS and there was a whole lot of like, well, there was a little bit of quarterbacking. <laughs> I like to think there was a lot of talking back and forth and like, okay, so if you do this, I can do that. We can do this. Basically, Justin, that what I'm trying to get at is Scott didn't get to play. Uh, <laughs> I'll say we, I'll rope in Ryan, but really I kind of played his game for him. It's like, oh, wait, Scott, you can do this. Uh, I try not to be guilty of that, but I was. Enough about Scott not getting to play. Let's talk a little bit about the upcoming Kickstarter. I know I understand you're looking to launch this at some point over summer. Do we have a date yet? Ah, uh, there is a date. And okay, let, let me let me rewind. I'm going to reset <laughs> this question. We've got a Kickstarter on the horizon. <laughs> tell us what you can about the Kickstarter. As much as you can tell us, as far as the details go, if you have a cost yet, if you have pledge levels ironed out, just give us something to chew on. To whet our appetite. Yeah, sure. We're fairly confident that it's going to be the end of June or the beginning mm -hmm. of July. And in terms of the actual game, we're aiming to be content complete, which means that we have made all of the materials, all of the Leviathans, all the character cards and everything by that point. It won't be fully vetted and tested as of yet, but mm -hmm. we're in a state right now where that's within reach. Uh, okay. assuming all goes well and that's only eight to ten weeks away so right, right. we're but 
the game itself is going to be 20 Leviathans and about the character cards. There's going to be around 100. Uh, the number of Leviathan cards is also likewise going to be somewhere between 120 to 150, depending on how mm-hmm. many are needed for a given Leviathan. So a ton of different character customization options, as well as a ton of different Leviathans. Mm-hmm. The price point is likely to be pretty reasonable because we're not aiming to do a big, giant luxury style Kickstarter. We're aiming to make a game that is full of really high quality, really fun content. So, I mean, trying not to talk out of school here, but it's probably going to be $50 for backers. Shut up. Okay. To make the, the budget work for it. That is fantastic. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Standard MSRP will be a little bit higher, but we want to make sure that we're providing a reason for people to jump in and back it because, of course, you still have to pay shipping and that kind of stinks. But at the same time, if we don't get people to back it, it may never make it to retail. So exactly. uh, Especially for us, we're we're completely self-funded, so we desperately want everybody to to if they like it if they think it's cool those are really important parts if you like it if you think it's cool yes uh jump in and support but yeah like 20 leviathans i think you could probably play each of them minimum twice uh before you would start to get tired of them or start to see through the matrix a little too much that's a pretty good value proposition overall and what you're getting at there is if I have played against the Sage two or three times, I kind of know what the capabilities of the Sage deck of Leviathan cards might do. Like I, I know what the next threat could be. My God, you've played this thing on TTS probably a thousand times. <laughs> you know I'm sure when you're down to the last two cards, you're mathing, okay, it's either going to be this or that. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's why the difficulty levels of the game help. And we have on our internal, like, hey, can we make this work? Can we make it so that a player who customizes the heck out of their deck, very specific to the Leviathan, the most hardcore of hardcore players, could start the Enrage track on five and play successfully through every single scenario in the game? Insane. That would be a delightful thing if we could succeed. It might be nearly impossible to do so. Even if you fully kit out your deck to be perfect for this this uh, scenario, but we would love it if that was possible because then that that just extends the playability too. That's sure. one mm-hmm. of the ways that even if you know it, that's why you you take up the difficulty a little bit. We always play on expert uh, when we're testing just to make sure that we're not making it too easy for right, right. For, for anybody else or too hard. Mm-hmm, Balance mm-hmm. is 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 a challenge, of course, with any especially content driven game where there's just a million interacting parts and pieces. But yeah, so like wanting to make sure that even if you've played one before, you can you can jump in and play it again and actually knowing the scenario a little bit better is necessary in order to not die. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and if you find that it's getting too easy, like you said, tick up the difficulty, you're good to go again. Do we have different tiers or different, like, is there going to be a deluxe version? Do you know these things yet? Do we have uh, any sort of a schedule for stretch goals? Yeah, I've got a a map of stretch goals, and it's going to be divided between kind of early phases, minor component upgrades, Mm -hmm. just to cross that gap between when you're printing really, really low numbers, the componentry can get really expensive. But as you start to... 
as you start to get a little bit higher up in that, you're you're getting economy of scale benefits. So yes. you can pass some of those along to people to say, like, you get heavier card stock or just small quality of life upgrades to the product itself. Fantastic. There will be some amount of additional content upgrades as well. Additional Leviathans are most likely. Ooh, Don't want to do yeah. too many because if we do too many, then it's going to extend the delivery time. And we want to make sure that we can deliver this in a reasonable amount of time. This is not... Uh, knock on wood, one of those Kickstarter crowdfunding situations where it's going to deliver three years late. That's, uh, that's, yeah. that's not possible for us with our goals for right. wanting to make this a real thing, the company and the uh, making games together. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just not my favorite thing either. I don't like having to pledge for something and wait such a, such a long, long time. So a few Leviathans, a few additional character customization things, some quality of life upgrades, and that all just kind of depends on how much support we receive. The more we receive, the better off the end product is going to be. And really importantly, this is a key philosophy for us. We're not going to do any gameplay exclusives to Kickstarter. It unfortunately slightly weakens the, the proposition of like, why would I back this now right. versus wait for retail? Right. But it's really... I really dislike gameplay exclusives. And I, I think there's a lot of people who do too. I think it can often leave a bad taste for people to be like, well, I'm not, I'm now going to be locked out of this probably forever. So mm -hmm. uh, or pay five times the price on eBay right, or exactly. something. Yeah, yeah. That doesn't feel um, good either. And to answer your first question, probably not a deluxe version by the same token as adding a whole bunch of additional gameplay content to it. A deluxe version is going to require a lot of production level work, a lot of visual design mm -hmm. work on components that are, they're related to gameplay, but more tangentially so. So we want to be able to make a game. Like that's what we've, we've spent, the three of us have spent a decade each doing, making mm -hmm. games. And then we want to give you that game and we want you to say, I like this, or here's what I don't like about this, so that we can use that both to support ourselves if we are fortunate enough to do so and also learn how to do it better. Oh, so. certainly. Justin, we want to get as much information out there as possible so that this can be an incredibly successful Kickstarter. But first, you have to kind of pay a toll, if you will, in order to get to that <laughs> ability there. Think of it as, uh, oh, I don't know, leveling up. Oh, so, we're going to see if he can level up. We have a list of questions. So Patrick is our quiz master here. Mm. So Patrick, why don't you take it away here? Okay. You got the stopwatch ready, right, Scott? I'm all set. Yep. You're going to get on a right, long list of like how quickly you can answer these here. You're going to oh, be dear. on the clock. First answer that comes to mind. Just, just let me know. Ready, Scott? All right. Get ready, set, go. What is your favorite board game that you haven't had a hand in creating? Uh, Eldritch Horror. What's cooler, G.I. Joe or Transformers? Transformers. The worst movie you've ever watched is? The Gods Must Be Crazy 2. Can you run a mile? Yes. If I'm watching a movie featuring characters such as Dutch, Blaine, and Hawkins, among others, what movie am I watching? I have no idea. <sighs> as a Kickstarter stretch goal, can you make King Scott into a Leviathan? What? Huh? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Yes. What is the best level of doneness for a steak? Uh, medium rare. 
Ding. Okay, he gets the level up just on just <laughs> on that. Oh, well done. Medium rare just the movie. Scott, do you know it? Dutch, Blaine, Hawkins, Mac. I don't Billy. know. I have to get to the chopper. Get to the chopper? <laughs> predator. Oh, okay, yes. Predator, Predator, yeah. <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> I think that's a level up. What do you think, Scott? Oh, most definitely. You passed our test here. So please <laughs> let our adventurers know exactly where they can find out more information about this. Uh, the floor is yours, whatever the you want to plug. Link, if I want to play it online. Yeah. So obviously, like, we stand by the game. So if you believe that or don't believe it, go check it out. You can play it on Tabletop Simulator. It's called Leviathan Wilds. If you search for it, you can't miss it. You can also find out more information about the game or get a link to the rulebook on our website, which is leviathanwilds.com. You can check the show notes. If you're listening to your podcast on your phone, just look at the details. It's right there. You just click it with your finger. Yeah. It's a nice little landing page. It's going to give you all the links that you might want. It's not very long, so it'll take you all of 15 seconds to scroll through. There's some fun little gifts of the game in motion. If that's if that's what you want to know about it, you, you can get some good info that way too. But there's links to the TTS mod. There's links to the rulebook. There's links to our social media accounts. Feel free to follow us and uh, chat with us, hang out with us. Uh, we're running playtesting and just general question hangouts through Discord. So if you want to join that channel and talk to us, ask questions about the game, or join playtesters, feel free to do that. Um, the biggest thing that would be helpful for us, if you're really interested in the game, is we've got signups for a newsletter on the landing page of the website as well. And there's a couple of different uh, places where it shows up. So uh, if you sign up, you're going to get a pledge bonus if you decide to support us when we launch. So there's another kind of sweetener for doing that as well. I could plug more, but it's really all through the website and just Go play the game if you think it sounds neat. And if you're having any rules hangups in your campaign of Descent 2nd Edition or a little uh, niche case in Imperial Assault, you can feel <laughs> free to – Justin wants you to email him and tell him what the rules complication is. He's available 24-7 to answer any of your questions. Honestly, yeah. I'll give you my home <laughs> home phone number too. <laughs> you joke. I spent a year answering dissent rules questions, and I oh, think my geez. total count was over a thousand during that time. Wow. So, <laughs> well, Justin, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for showing us the game on TTS. Uh, I had a really good time playing it. I do want to see what's going on with the campaign adventures. You've got to check this out. It is a gameplay focused game. You're not going to get a whole bunch of bells and whistles like Justin was saying with story. It is all on the table. We liked it. That's why it's mm -hmm. in a side quest. Justin, thank you so much for joining us today. Yes, truly. Thank you so much. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was a real pleasure. What a story. What a gaming background. Cool guy. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you listen to his story as to where he went from point A to point B to where he is now. And it makes you stop and think sometimes, what the hell am I doing with my life? <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what you're doing is sitting in front of a computer recording a podcast for free. <laughs> but yeah, it's great to hear whenever someone has this kind of imagination to work with and the ability to, to use it and harness it to make these kind of things here. And it was fantastic hearing that and listening to his story. Oh, yeah. I tell you what, I'm excited for this Kickstarter coming. I can't wait to see what some of those other Leviathans have in store. I want to see the campaign. I want to watch the story unfold. 
Maybe we'll give this one uh, an official 8-bit breakdown once it shows up in the mail, whenever it does. Yeah, yeah. It's it's very approachable, very colorful, very simple mechanics. It looks really good. Well, Scott, as we're one to do with side quests, we got to keep it short. We got stuff going on, including next week, next Thursday, we're going to have Josh joining us. We're going to be talking all about Glow. That is an interesting little beast in itself there. So I can't wait to hear his ideas on it as well. So we do hope you join us next Thursday. We're going to be talking Glow. We're going to be talking Origins, do a few previews, some of the games that we're looking forward to. It's going to be a good time. And definitely keep an eye out for us if you're going to Origins. We'd love to say hi. Love to hear what you think is the game of Origins. Oh, yeah. And just have a great time with everyone. We're really looking forward to it. Look for the young, handsome guy wearing a level up hat and the senior citizen wearing a level up hat. (laughs) Probably with a cane. Who knows? Thank you so much for joining this adventure of the Level Up Board Game Podcast. We encourage all adventurers to check out our website at levelupgamepodcast.com. There you can submit your thoughts and audio to be used in a future episode. Please consider rating us on iTunes, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and join the Board Game Geek Guild, Guild 3722. Music for the podcast provided by Adam Haynes. Learn more at adamhainesmusic.com. And remember, you can spend another night on the sofa, or you can get some friends together, get some adventures on the table, and level up.